Welcome to Gleaming the Tube, the podcast where Kevin and Mike watch a film in which somebody rides a skateboard at some point. Finally, a podcast where people talk about movies. Hi, Michael. Hi, Kevin. 2023's Barbie, directed by Greta Gerwig, who also co-wrote the film, is based on the long-running and popular Dow line from Mattel. In the film, Barbie, played by Margot Robbie, has to travel from Barbie land to the real world after suffering an existential crisis. And a whole lot of other stuff happens. And here to join us to talk about the film is Faye Creed, author of Fantastic Children's Books, among other things, especially Super Pizza and Kid Kale, which my son Alexander in particular loves. Thanks, Alexander. Love that kid. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited to talk about this movie. Thank you for being on it. I I think Mike and I both saw it and we were like, well, there it, it does fit the bare minimum threshold of having a skateboard <laughs> in it. Um, and we wanted to talk about it, but this is one of those moments where we're like, this is probably not best served by only having two dudes discuss it. Understood. Yeah. There's a little more to unpack. <laughs> the thing about women. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. Well, it's really cool because, yeah, I've been elected to speak for all women. So it's very convenient that you guys got me here. <laughs> no pressure. Well, uh, there's a speech by America Ferrara, and that told me a lot of what I needed to know. No, but seriously, I think yes. I think I am impressed that the Barbie movie was able to come out and be like both a really fun, funny visually spectacular film but also was able to like have some stuff going on below the hood oh my gosh I I agree because I think I went into it as a person who I still play with Barbies with my kids I played with Barbies when I was a child I had elaborate stories with the Barbies and all dolls and toys and usually like maybe like messed up ones. We used to play like a war-based game with our My Little Ponies, my friend Amanda and I. I don't think we got violent with the Barbies, but my kids certainly do. I got really excited about going to this movie just because there's such, it's such a cultural moment and so many people, men and women um, and non-binary folks too, I'm sure get so excited about the history of Barbie and then went to see what Greta was doing with this plot, with the like sketch comedy and the like commitment to the bits and honoring what a toy is and the feminism and the like patriarchy, how it hurts everybody. And that Ken is my favorite character. And I like, I, I walked away from that movie and be like, I have been changed as a person. And I really love that. Thank you. That's, that's great. I, I really liked it a lot i i didn't i wouldn't say that i went in with zero expectations i kind of knew i knew the i knew the deal when i walked in but it was i felt like to have it deliver both as a really really great fun awesome exciting movie but also like totally stick the landing on what they were trying to get across was pretty fantastic to me yes like to balance the fun of like what would it be like if dolls were alive in a magical land and like the exact Barbie's dream house that my daughter has upstairs with also like a brutal look of what it looked, what it feels like to be a woman in America, in, in the real world that I don't think my kids had ever really seen before. That was a little shocking for them actually um, to see people she says, literally, she's like, there's definitely an undertone of violence with the way people are talking about me and just calls it out so hard. It was harsh and beautiful and hilarious. Um, 
I, yeah, it was, I was very excited to see this kind of filmmaking applied to like a Mattel doll. It's like, none of it makes sense. And I really love that part too. Well, I also really liked that it felt like Mattel sort of like co-signed, like, okay, just lean into it. Like clearly there are not, you know, that some of the, some of the stuff about the Barbie universe and message has possibly not aged very well so we'll just like just go <laughs> ahead like tear into it and we'll kind of like yeah we'll kind of like nod knowingly like yeah 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 one of the things i saw greta gerwig say in interviews was that there was some trepidation on mattel's part about where she was going with the film but that because the film had so many issues that mattel might need to address that they didn't know where to start. And she was like, if we had played it more tame and only had one or two things that they could have fought, we probably would have lost. But because, you know, I think they had gone down the road a bit and there were so many things that a multinational toy company might not want to have, it, they were able to sneak through way more. That's so brilliant. That's the same tactic that Trey Parker and Matt Stone took for um, the Team America. Team America, right? Yeah, they put so much stuff in that they just chopped the like really bad stuff off and still left us like a rotted movie to enjoy. I think that's brilliant. And I, but, and I, and I do feel like it took it like making jokes about Midge and Alan and like all and like magic earring can like all these these dolls that like we like i sort of know and i've heard about but just like putting it in there so everyone who's obsessed with barbie is like that yes they know that the easter eggs are there but then like also making a beautiful plot that was almost experimental i don't know how you do that in a movie i i just thought it was it was very cool and it was nice to see the kens that i had sorry i'm i'm an over talker i feel like y'all are <laughs> no get, get in there and i felt like the easter egg stuff like i'm not someone with a deep knowledge of barbie yeah. lore, but say the the fact that there was a growing up skipper yeah. doll when she lift her lifts her arm her breasts Amazing. enlarge like i immediately knew that that was a doll that really existed so i think the people who knew the doll were delighted and i think uh everyone else was sort of brought in along for it too it didn't it didn't feel very exclusive as a movie. No, it feels like a good kids show where they're doing jokes that the kids get, but don't, but like the, the other jokes that go over their head that the adults catch and they're like, ha 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 ha. Like I thought it was like, it really did a good job serving everybody and like making everyone feel welcome. Um, in my opinion, as a person, I think it's like the primary audience member of uh, uh, the people that were, fo- I don't know, maybe they were focusing on me. I, 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 thought, I really feel like it was like for everybody in the whole world. Well, the, the the funny thing is, so I went into it just like thinking, I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm going to try to see if there's even a, a, even a moment where I feel attacked as a male, just yeah. to see like, what are these people complaining about? And it's funny because even the jokes that were pointed directly at me and the kind of person and the kind of like the kind of dude culture that I participate in were so gentle and so like, like it, it, it's like Kevin mentions the, the speech that America Ferreira makes. Yeah. It's like in the speech, she talks about how, despite all of the stuff, you also have to be like a gentle, like caring caregiver. And I was like, yeah, that's even, even in the jokes that were like directly, like directly dude related jokes were was so glad hand and like, Oh, well, yeah, yeah there, there's one moment where one of the Kens sort of uh, is, it's sort of like the montage of mansplaining. And one of the Kens starts going on about, you know, the Lou Reed influence. 
And I was like, that's square. Square fucking had me in the crosshairs. Absolutely. <laughs> the Photoshop scene. The Photoshop scene. Oh, where did she deliberately mispronounces Godfather? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. And, and 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 like I personally don't. I'm a kidlet writer. Like I really like when everybody I don't like making fun of people I feel like I like it when everyone is like maybe being lightly teased you know and I do feel like they they pull that off but the scene I think that is like so it was the one that was hard for me to watch was the one where um Gloria is talking to Barbie and Barbie's like I just don't want to hurt Ken's feelings like he loves me so much and um and Gloria was like he brainwashed your friends he stole your house. And she's like, oh, okay, you're right. And I was like, oh, God, I do that all the time. I'm like, no, maybe they have, they're having a, like, I have this neighbor who doesn't speak to me. He's a man. And he always, he like, yells at me to get my husband to come talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, he's probably just awkward. I'm like, no, he's sexist and rude. That's rude. I'm not going to make excuses. But that's, that's different. It's like different behavior. See, I'm the Gertie doing it. I'm like, not all men, but it's true. It's true. And I think it is fun. We can all be obnoxious. And like, you know, Barbie had girls night every night. Like, I'm not saying that she has to like give up what she likes to, to be with her friend Ken. But by the end, she realizes that like she was, she did contribute to the way Ken felt a little bit. And I didn't feel like that was like giving up or like giving in to like the patriarchy. I felt like it was two human beings who were sort of figuring out like how their relationship affected each other. I thought that was beautiful, honestly. I really liked that part of it too and the uh you know we, we've gone this far in and the performances by both margot Robbie and ryan gosling oh were both phenomenal phenomenal yeah i i thought ryan gosling was like went all in oh like i was God. i really was like it's <laughs> the idea that he, he's his job is beach <laughs> that made me laugh so hard <laughs> he was so vulnerable he was so, I mean, he had the best role and he he, he really killed it um, from the like flexing his muscles. So obviously when Barbie is like coming to trick him and the, oh my God, the staring through the singing push and the, and the I'm just Ken song. Y'all, when that song started playing and my soul left my body because it's like, <laughs> I, I love a campy musical moment. I love a ballet like making fun of the Oklahoma ballet moment in a movie, which they did in Cannibal the Musical too. I'm like mentioning Trey Parker a lot tonight, but like, I think, you know, it's like, it was just so, it just felt like it served even like nerdy film people. Like it was there for us too. God, it was and it's so heartfelt. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah, man. A musical number. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I love a dream ballet. <laughs> love a dream ballet. Uh, that's where like Barbie world so reminded me of of umbrellas of Cherbourg and singing in the rain and oh my God, and, yes. and red shoes and just all of these yes. like really beautiful technicolor films that all yes. have dream ballets in them. American in Paris. Yes. They all have dream ballets. Oh my God, there's so many dream ballets. It's fun to love something, but also mock it. And I think that's what the movie's doing too. It's, it's, that's why it feels so cool. I'm going to cop to the fact I've never heard the term dream ballet before, but it may, I know exactly what you're talking about, but I've just never, I've never heard it. There was a trend, I think, after Oklahoma came out that, that dream ballet was like 17 minutes long. And I remember reading that Gene Kelly was like, I have to have a 17 minute long dream ballet in every movie I make. That's the standard we're setting now. It's like so bizarre, but yeah. It's an important thing. It wasn't the 60s musicals, I guess. Oh, God, I love it. Okay. I, I seem to recall now, I, I remember seeing 
uh, all that jazz in the theater with my parents. And there's a pretty fantastic dream ballet and all that jazz, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> which means that I'm going to have to now go back and watch all that jazz because uh, yeah. I need to I need to see it. I want to. We should. Yeah. Watch all the dream ballets back. To back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that is when we're done with the skateboards. <laughs> it's the dream. Dream Kevin, are we going to do a musical <laughs> podcast after we're done with this? Like, oh my goodness. I don't know. I, I feel like maybe that just happened a lot. Like that just, that happened in real time. Like, like, okay, when we get to the, when we get to the edge of the precipice of skateboarding movies, we're going to pivot and then kickball change. <laughs> <laughs> when the last Ollie is done. Yes. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, line begins. we'll do it. We'll do jazz hands. That'll be great. I it's so, movie musicals are such a disaster, but also so amazing. Right. I'm, I will tune in. I will tune into that. But then there was a dance sequence early in this movie too. The Dua Lipa song that was like really fun. And the Ken, when Ryan Gosling angrily hands Kensley Benadir his drink and goes out, like is like all sneering and dancing next to Barbie. And like, he looks like a child pretending to be an adult. <laughs> Just kind of how he played the character the whole time is like a little child pretending to be a grown up, which is how we played Barbies anyway. I was like, this is so deep. This is so incredible. <laughs> yeah, I hope they both win Oscars, or I, I hope they win everything. Yeah. they were, they did, they committed, they committed to the bit, they committed to the bit so well. Well, and that's what you want. Yeah, I would. I yeah. I feel like with a movie like that, you've got to. It's like, yes, there can be sort of funny arc arch asides. But yeah. you've got to be fully committed. And I feel like everybody, I felt like everybody was fully, fully invested. I, I love the little scene where Barbie is sitting on the bench with the older, with the older yes. woman. And I just thought it was so sweet. And then Rhea Perlman, are you kidding me? Like, how are you? Oh my God. Yes. Rhea Perlman, who like didn't know how much I missed her yeah. until she showed up. And then even that did such a wonderful job representing that character this woman who really redefines like what play was for little girls specifically but certainly like all little children and then like making fun of her tax evasion too mm -hmm. it was just like they just couldn't like every it was like every joke they could get in they they put it in it was like i just i love that mentality it feels like old school comedy i was worried going in the one my one thing i was worried about was uh because greta gerwig wrote this with uh with her partner noah bombach who Noah. I feel yeah. can sometimes like yeah. when he's at his worst and Mike and I talked a lot about Bombach in the <laughs> glory days episode for some reason, but, but when he's, when he's at his worst, um, <laughs> he can come off as like trying very hard to seem like the smartest boy in the world. And I was, I was worried there was going to be some of that, but I feel like Gerwig yes. really, I think she is able to say like, Whoa, slow down Noah. Cause he got good again with Francis Ha, I thought. I think I was like trying to see what I've seen. The only movie I've seen of his was Francis Ha, which I loved. I thought it was really good. Francis Ha is fantastic, but he had done like a string of just sour films before that. Yeah. Oh, Marriage Story. Yeah, see, these are movies that I'm like, nope, don't want to feel those things. So I just wouldn't go into them. Uh, but Francis Ha, I thought, was such a really kind of like open kind movie if you can even say that yeah like i just i really love how francis was flawed but the movie didn't hate her like i i loved francis but i think some of that comes from Greta Gerwig writing it with him because i think you know she's gone on to do 
she did Lady Bird, she did Little Women before this. And I don't think, I think both of those movies were great, but I don't think either of those movies made you immediately think that she had this in her. Yes, this like genius level, like, and I don't know if this is the Margot Robbie energy, because I know that she was the one that was pitching the movie. She's the one that brought Greta on. I know that when they were writing the script, they had, um, they they had, why can't I remember his name? It's so bad. Ken, Ryan Gosling. This is the first time I've ever seen Ryan Gosling in a movie too. This was like a lot of firsts for me. I thought he was lovely. Um, but like they had him attached to the script without even asking him. So I wonder if it's like that magic energy of like how this really seemed like a team effort, not to take anything away from Gerwig, because I think she was like the the circus master of bringing it all together. But I think that's why it was so fun. There's just so so much energy and so much random stuff. Like the fact that the I'm just Ken Zong wasn't supposed to be part of it, but then they heard it and they're like, we're writing a scene for this. Like that's why this I think this movie is so magic. It was very yes and. And like just bringing more stuff on constantly. And the rules, the rules were so loose, which is like exactly how you play when you play games as a child. And and it felt like, yeah, but what if this? Well, what if there's a flying thing? And what if they do this? And like that's felt really appealing to me. Like also just thinking about kids and the way we play and the way we like um, like the dressing up is part of it and the hopping off the house is part of it, but part of it is like the dance parties or and like the or the the pretending you're on a horse. Oh, the Malibu Beach battle scene with all the weapons that were just toys and it felt like so obvious but also like I'd never seen anything before there was a Ken giving mouth to mouth to his hobby horse there was like and then one of the one of the Mattel guys actually gets shot (laughs) did he really get shot I don't know it was so wonderful and chaotic I I actually so the the part that I was that I did not expect that I really really liked was in the in the early the very beginning of the movie when they're sort of like establishing the the Barbie world, the fact that there's no water in the pool <laughs> and that the, the ocean is just a backdrop and that it, like that they don't walk down the stairs. They just float. That's I, you know, I, I thought that was so smart. Like, because really they're playing, they're playing. Yes. And they, yeah. They're yeah. Playing. I, 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 and then, and then also like then the, the, you know, the, the passage into, I love, I love it when a movie has a, that element of magical realism where it doesn't feel the need to explain like how they basically got to the real yes. world from Bible. Yes. They just, they just take yes. a trip and now they're in the real world. And yeah. Yes. And, and I also thought it was, it was, it, it would have been really easy to make the real world overly harsh to Barbie yes. and Ken, but they didn't do that either. They were just sort of, okay, now we have to adjust to these new surroundings. I was fully expecting to watch him seeing the trailer. I was fully expecting an hour of Barbie <laughs> in the real world, having like wacky misunderstandings about how she yeah, should act. misadventures in the real world. Yeah. Like, Oh, and then, like, yeah. And yeah. instead of, there was 10 minutes of that and they got all the jokes they needed to win. And then they did other they stuff. Sure did. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I thought that was actually really brave because yes. I'm sure that's what like everyone thought. Everyone wanted the movie to be. It's like, wouldn't it be so funny if she thinks everything's perfect and boop up up? And it's like, it's not. It's actually really upsetting. <laughs> She's there in the real world because she f- just realized that everything isn't perfect. So yeah, you don't have to nail that home too too hard. Yeah. Oh man, exactly. I uh, I I really did enjoy the hell out of watching this movie. Yeah, me too. Yeah. There was no, and there's no the, the fact that it was all practical when they were going to the real world that like none of that was I read that and I was like this can't be that they built that whole set 
it really just feels like it was dolls that made this movie. Maybe that's it. Like maybe the toys made this movie to make a point to us about something, about how we all need to play. And I like I had to see it twice because the first time my mind was kind of blown. I wasn't expecting it to be like so heady and like have to figure stuff out. And the second time around, like spoiler alert, like when she decides to be human at the end, I was like, I was like, okay, that's kind of a little weak. I thought the first time around, I'm like, oh God, she's going to be human. Although I love the end scene it was brilliant. Um, but the second time I was like, yes, because what we were supposed to take away from this movie, I think is that none of us can be perfect and we all need to embrace who we are on our own with our imperfections, uh, which I think is a very, like, it's, it's, it's kind of a picture book concept too. Maybe that's why that's my interpretation of it, but I thought it was just like, like obvious, but also like subtly obvious. And I, and I loved that um, because I do like, I never thought of my Barbies or my toys as perfect. But um, I know a lot of people do like, I, as a little girl, I remember sitting when I was like six years old, with my friend Amanda playing Barbies at her house because she had the good Barbies, the good outfits. And we were discussing how like our parents were concerned we were playing with Barbies because we would be like, we would think we had to look like them. And we both were like, that is the stupidest thing we've ever heard because this is a doll and we know that we don't look like this doll. And who knows, like deep underneath, maybe there was some stuff, I'm sure there was, but like we always had that separation between like, this is a fun doll. Um, and like, you know, womanhood. And it's so funny because I got back into Barbies, not because of my daughter, because of the drag queen Trixie Mattel, because she did this whole series about her collection of Barbies. And I was like, oh yeah, Barbies, they're so fun and cool and we can play with them again. Um, and it sort of brought me back here and then ended up being this like very woman focused, but I don't think it is woman focused. Like, of course it's like the speech is very important to see like how hard it is to be a woman. And like, and I love it when Sasha calls Barbie a fascist because I do think that's part of it is like this perfect blonde girl that like maybe some people think women are supposed to be like, I don't know. There's just so much. It's like everything's washing up all the time watching the movie. I want to see it a couple more times, I think, to make sure that I'm squeezing everything out of it. I can. Right. I won't. I definitely I've, I've only I've only seen it once. I barbenheimed. We we did the barbenheimed. Oh, nice. Yeah. Love um, that. Yeah, it was fun. But I do, I I remember the movie ending and th- thinking like, shit, I, I want to watch this a half a dozen more times. Just, yeah. You know, like, just because it's like, it, it's funny because I, I also am very well aware that like a lot of the little, the little like jokes that are little references are like, the reason that I like it is because it's yeah. making fun of the, the fact that I like little, I feel smart because I understood that reference and, <laughs> and that that in and of itself is like, oh, 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 good job, buddy. You understood the little, the little joke they made. Good pat on the head. <laughs> but I think that is like, I think it is a good buddy. I don't think it is making fun of you. I think it's like, yeah, you got it. You Yeah. <laughs> yeah yes, exactly. Good for you. Good for you. Let's all go play. <laughs> I went to see this with my kids and who are, who are nice. on the young side, like my daughter's eight and the twins are six and they yeah, all they liked it but i think they all liked it on a very yeah. on the most surface level and yeah um, i know we had joked early Faye, that we're gonna have you on to represent all women but actually the reason i thought it would be cool to have you on is because you write books for children yeah and i was curious what you thought about in terms of like in terms of like how you thought this played to young children versus like is this like a true four quadrant movie or is this like more skewed toward older audience it's definitely more to teen girls that's the that's what i that's the sweet spot i think 
um, and discussed this a lot with my husband because I remember looking at it before and being like, should I even take my daughter? Like, is this going to be like too, like, I just didn't know what the content was. I don't know why it was 13, I think PG 13, but, but I really think they, that it ended up being either deliberately, probably deliberately because, because Gerwig is a genius, but Mabel had a totally different movie experience than me. And, and Harvey, my son, who's 10, had a totally different movie experience than me, like, starting with the 2001 reference at the beginning, which is a well-known, like, anecdote about Barbies, about Ruth seeing that there was only doll babies and, and this, like, but that beautiful moment of, like, this evolution in play uh, was so funny. When that one kid with the glasses started smashing the baby dolls and their heads were cracking open on the rocks... Mabel was a little taken aback, but she loved it. My son was like, guffawing. He thought it was so funny. And I think that what they both got out of it was like the, the like colors, the silly jokes, the musical numbers, the, um, at the end when President Barbie is like, that's right, motherfucker. I don't know if you can swear on this podcast, but that, like, the stuff like that was absolutely can. Yes, we do work blue. So funny. Oh, good. That's great. Like the the stuff that was just like random and unexpectedly funny, um, as well as the committing to the bit of being what is a doll, what is it like to be a doll, um, and when they got arrested and like the, the things that were just like high humor, um, they got that level out of it. And I think that um, Mabel was really surprised by the um, the content that talked more about how difficult it is to be a woman. And my, my son, too, was talking about how I remember he like, I can't remember why we we're talking about it with the patriarchy. And he was like, men's rights groups. Why do men's rights groups exist? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, nobody knows, honey. And, and my daughter was really mad for a little bit about how about what she'd seen. She didn't say it exactly, but she was like, um, she was like, it's just it's not fair that like, why would people like treat women differently? And I'm like, baby, I don't know. I don't know. But it's now, you know, and it's something we can talk about. So like they. They were disturbed, I think, um, in a healthy way, in a way that good movies, I think, can challenge you without it being a like, gory or like weirdly sexual or like whatever. So I, for me, it was like uh, challenging, but really enjoyable for both of them. And Mabel does want to go back again to see it again with me, which I think is a good thing. And Harvey just he just thought it was really funny when they smashed the baby dolls and <laughs> and the jokes the jokes that hit hit so hard. Like when Ken goes. And hides behind, goes hide, when Barbie's like, I want to be your long-term, low-commitment girlfriend. And he just goes, sublime! And, like, I don't think Harvey got that, but, it was, <laughs> but he laughed, because it's really funny. Um, so I think it's a good movie. Six, I would be, I would, I, yeah, I, I'm curious to see what your six-year-old thought of it. Um, the, the six-year-old boys, their initial reaction was, was uh, it was kind of cool when all the Kens were running Barbie Land. And, I, and then yeah. I was like, well, let's talk about that. <laughs> Well, the Kens are oppressed. They're oppressed yeah. in the movie. So it's hard to have like a, it is kind of cool because they were treated like garbage, really. You know, it's like such a complicated thing. And the Mojo Dojo Casa House was kind of fun. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's confusing, I think, because it's like, yeah, but they weren't exactly bad. And they, it, the Barbies were kind of oppressing them. And by the end, they hadn't even. <laughs> so I think, I think for the six-year-olds, because uh, my, like, one of the six-year-old, one of one of my sons, really wanted to go, and I was like, "Yeah, we can." We, and yeah. I think they liked, like, they thought it looked it looked super interesting. It was paced really well. Like, yeah. I was not bothered about being bored or going to the bathroom once. And uh, nice. I, I think my daughter was a little bit more like receptive to to the message. And yeah. 
criticisms I've seen of the movie, I mean, obviously there's, you know, the worst people in the world are kind of like <laughs> complaining about how this is the woke Barbie. And I don't even want to like, that's not even worth yeah. engaging with. I mean, don't you think they'd be saying that no matter what the movie yeah. was and no matter what, like if, if it was like one Barbie being like, I'm president, they'd be like, oh, whoa. <clears throat> exactly. So I, it's not even worth art. But I, I've seen this other line of criticism where like the film is to feminism 101, but I feel like it's the Barbie movie. <laughs> yeah that's where it should be it's not kathy acker's blood and guts in high school like this is maybe where it should be pitched because i think for people who are engaging with these ideas for the first time that this might be where they're discovering that because this movie's made a billion dollars i i don't think everyone is as online as the people talking about it right I, I a billion agree. dollars can you yeah, imagine a billion dollars. that i mean it, it's i think it's a really good film like i like it's that's what's so and i feel like i don't want to be like it's not just that it's feminist like it's just really good i feel like i'm betraying like feminism but because it, it's so important that it's a female-led female-written co-written female-directed like female-created like it's really exciting because i you know again as a kid lit writer you want to put characters and books that kids can see themselves in like that's how we all I think that's how we all feel you know like I always identified as a real weirdo when I was a kid so I try to put weirdos in books so that other kids who are weirdos can look at the characters and be like I'm gonna be okay and I feel like this movie like it because it's so because it's so hilarious and because it's so inclusive and because it's it, it treats the audience with a lot of respect and intelligence it doesn't like it's not like little silly dolls, beep bop boop. It makes everyone go like, "Oh, we're gonna be okay." And I, maybe it is feminism one hundred and one. I thought it. I'm trying to think about that because I do. I Gloria's speech I thought was 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 great, and I understand why that was so important to me or to important to my people, the women of the world. Um, uh, but I, you know, not maybe not, but but like just seeing so much more about the the comedy and the like ridiculousness in this female-led world meant so much more to me as a woman um, and a creator than, you know, having that stuff laid out, which is kind of painful, but also like, yeah, very feminism 101. But if you don't hit people over the head sometimes with these points, then, um, you know, women hate themselves. They don't know why. Men treat women badly and they don't know why. And we're all just like unhappy. So I thought it was like, it's the speech served a really important purpose. But I just thought the fun and games were so much. That's what really spoke to me as a woman. But I speak for everybody, as I mentioned. Much like Whitney Houston. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I saw Whitney Houston's hologram in Las Vegas, and I feel kind of bad about it. Do you think that was bad to go see it? I really liked it. Do you think that was like, is it it bad to see holograms of people who have died? It was a really good show. It was really good. I, I was really tempted in London to go see Hologram ABBA. Uh, but they're all like they're all but they're, they're still all alive, alive yeah. and endorse their own holograms doing this show. Yeah, um, that feels a little better. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you would watch like a. I mean, I guess if someone's a big Whitney Houston fan, they would watch a movie about her. Yeah, they watch a video. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll I'll I'm gonna ruminate on that a lot. Yeah, a little bit I'm trying more. to think if I was in a room. And there was suddenly a Tupac hologram. I don't think I would leave the room, but I don't know that I would go to the room 
because <laughs> there was a Tupac hologram. I, is that too mealy mouth? I don't know. I was like, no, I, I like that. Yeah, I didn't. I, like I didn't. I didn't I, I've made a statement without making any kind of statement at all. <laughs> oh, okay. Here's a Barbie question. What did you all think of that? cut away to the depressed Barbie ad like right after Barbie what I think at the at the bottom of the second act is like I'm so low physically and mentally I've never been so low and that it cuts to like a commercial in the middle of the movie because I was living I thought it was so funny um to just completely just put a completely different like sketch essentially in the middle of that I liked that and I liked the uh Mojo Dojo Kasha houses that were shipping out as well oh, um God amazing i like that the movie didn't feel the need to like it did it once and then didn't feel the need to do that throughout the movie because there's a version of this movie again where it's 12 commercials signposting the movie along the way so that's what i liked about the movie was that it never stuck to the same gear it was always kind of surprising you yeah i love that too i think it was unsettling almost in a good way almost experimental is what i walked out although my husband he teaches film uh writing and i mean tv writing and script writing at emerson and bu and bc so he's very smart about screen screenplays he said it was a really typical arc and i got what he meant like but it just seemed it, i never understood where they were going to go with a moment i never saw like when they kept getting arrested and then just let go <laughs> And then just arrested again and just like go. Like I didn't I, I was like, that could have been a whole thing. It could have been Barbie in jail. They could have gone that way, but they're yeah. like, no, 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 no. Um I just I felt like it kept me on my toes the whole time, which again is very like play. It's very like play. Right. Yeah. Well, it felt it felt like they trusted you as the audience yes. to like get the joke. Like, oh, I know what we're doing here. Yeah. They're gonna get arrested because they and they but they didn't need to ca- yeah, yeah, they didn't need a lot of follow-up on that. Like, oh, you get what we're doing, we're gonna move to the next thing, which like you said, is very much like play. Like yeah. you get distracted and then you move on to the next thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I I really, I really liked when Ken said like I I just it made me laugh out loud when he was like yeah once it stopped being all about horses we kind of moved on and I was like that's perfect that's that's play that's that's ah we'll, we'll do something else now I felt yeah it, it, it's such a wonderful scene too like where he's really upset and he really thinks his only destiny is to be Barbie's boyfriend and it's so painful and then when he when she finally like as a friend is just like you need to define yourself you have to figure out who you are outside of me and he has a breakthrough and then you sort of see her be like wait what is it like she learns the same lesson it's beautiful but then when he goes on the slide and he's like ken is (laughs) me it makes me so happy it makes me so happy what i'm worried about is uh i think this movie's been so successful because it is fun and it looks awesome and it has something to say. And I think people have been really hungering for that in films. And I think yes. studios are going to think we got to make a brass movie. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Or, bar- you know, yeah. another yeah. nine Barbie movies right. and, and the, and the message will get lost yeah. uh, by incrementally. Yeah. Right. That's, yeah. That's Barbie. Yeah. I hope, I mean, no, they're already, I've, I've read that they've already like greenlit a Polly pocket movie and that's cute. But like Barbie is Barbie. This is like, this is the doll. It's been so important to, to children and to grownups. And like, it's Barbie is just so beyond Barbie's like evolved with the culture. Barbie is both obnoxious and just like full of potential. Uh, like Barbie is an icon on her own. And then so is Ken and poor, I'm poor Alan. Um, 
And like, I know I'm, I'm afraid of that too. I really don't want her to make a sequel, but I literally never want anyone to make a sequel like ever. I don't want remakes. I don't want anything that like makes me really sad. Um, and you know what? The Polly Pocket movie is not going to be good. Um, if they want to try to make it like, that's great. But this is, this is like a, I, I think one in a, in a million toys. The same way like the Lego movies, which were great. That was an iconic toy. They did a great job honoring what a Lego was and like how people played with it while making a really cool universe twice with musical numbers. I just don't think like Polly Pocket and Bratz are not Barbie, at least not to my generation. And I don't, I don't know. My generation's still the ones that like were like making nostalgia a thing, I think, right? We're all in the same generation. Like, yeah, we love Weird Al and Ninja Turtles and Barbie. So let's just <laughs> do those again. Will be great. Again and again. How many re how many reboots for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are we at now? It's like it really is like nine or lot. something like that. It's like a lot. <laughs> I mean it, it, there's a lot to that story, but God. I was gonna post script of this episode with that new Ninja Turtles movie because we did a Ninja Turtles episode already nice. because they skateboard in every single one. The one from the nineties? Or like the yes. remake with the, yes. We saw that we did an episode yeah. on the one from the nineties, but we saw I, I saw the new one with me my kids too. last weekend. Me too. And yeah. it was well done, I thought. But I, I agree. Yeah. De La Soul song, Michael. Yeah. It's nice. Is is it just anim is it animation or is it it's it's very influenced by those like Spider-Verse movies. Yes. Yeah, that's what my kids said too. They were like, it's like Spider-Verse type animation. Yeah, it didn't kick me in the ass like the Barbie movie did. It didn't make me like excited about film again. But I thought it was a great, I thought the turtles were great. It was nice to have teenagers, like young teenagers voicing the turtles. So that was lovely. I liked how they made, I know we're talking about a different movie, but like, no, I thought it was, no, it was good. Right. Like Splinter was like an awkward dad instead of like a, you know, a perfect like, like Zen master dad. I thought it was good. It's exciting to see like really good writing and voice acting applied to these things that I guess are pretty core good stories. But yeah, it doesn't make me, like it doesn't make my heart pound every time I play I'm just Ken and sing it really loudly with my daughter like we do now. <laughs> I wanna you had mentioned uh Alan <laughs> and I really liked that character. It's so good. I thought Michael Sarah so was that his Michael Sarah East, but I, yeah, I thought it, it was he was perfect. I thought yeah, it really yeah. worked for the movie. I loved Kate McKinnon. Amazing, yeah. I I think that was my favorite part. Yeah. The, the the when they when they introduced the weird like because that we it, that's such a thing the yeah. Barbie that got played with yeah. too hard and has the shit all over her face and yeah. I and then to cast Kate McKinnon I, that was like that was couldn't have asked for a more perfect casting than that it was great and she's always in the splits like all like I would say half the Barbies up in my daughter's room are currently in the splits so it's like so it's like Mwah. But she was wonderful. I had a Barbie that we would that we put in a lamp because I don't remember why. Maybe it was a cave and half her face melted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we still played with her. She was okay to be a little messed up in Barbie land. The Phantom of the Dream House. Phantom of the Dream House. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I love that scene. And I loved I loved Rob Brydon popping up as Sugar Daddy Ken was. I was like, what is what is happening? What is happening in this movie? And and all of the just all of the weird Barbies were great. And the, did you guys know that Midge and Alan were are canonically married? They were the ones. Oh, the I did happy not know family. that. Yeah, so I really liked that they just didn't address that at all. It was really funny. <laughs> and I loved I loved Midge that just never had a line because she was pregnant. And Alan, like, who was who just didn't want to be in Barbie Land with the Kens. 
And I don't know, like, what, I don't know what his deal was. And he was just so wonderful. But the fact that he, when they're trying to escape and he yells out, I'm Ken's buddy, all his clothes fit me, which I didn't know at the time, but I can confirm is like what was written on the box. But I could tell that's what they were doing. I love Alan. Yeah. I love Alan. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. The awkward, the awkward non-Ken doll. Like we didn't even need a Ken, but they made Alan. So Ken wasn't so lonely. And even he's not accepted by the Ken. Oh, it's just wonderful. I think it's great. Oh my God, when they see the pageant in the real world and they're like, oh, the Supreme Court, that really tickled me. The whole script was so, so funny. You know, it felt like one of the themes of the movie is it's like, something can be great and not be perfect. You know, like Barbie obviously has, you know, it's like that, you know, whatever pejorative term you want to use, whether it be problematic or didn't hold up well, it's like some stuff is obviously bad and (laughs) doesn't hold up well, but some stuff is like, ah, it was of its time and it's not great, but it's also not, you know, like we can learn and move forward. And I really liked that, that attitude in the movie was just, you know, we'll, yeah, I, I, I had a great time watching it. Yeah. We we agree. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like taking something so seriously, but also like making it completely playful. Yeah. It, It was such a fabulous balance. And I think the only parts of the movie that I, I mean, in when I watched it again, I'm like, no, it's perfect. I would never change it. But I thought that the whole Mattel executive board thing it just didn't do anything for me and I didn't really get why I was in the movie I didn't really understand it I guess it's because she needed to get to, to Ruth the ghost through the I mean the action scene was really fun like jumping through the cubicles and that was like one of my son's favorite parts but I don't know I just didn't feel like that those characters added anything like Will Ferrell's played that character before and right. I didn't know why he was playing the character again and then he calls her a Jezebel which I was like oh my goodness I don't feel good about this and he was it was funny like when they were trying to get out but they couldn't use the key card I was like yay corporate humor I, like I like that but I don't know that he necessarily I don't know I'd love to hear your all's take because I was just like I don't really get this like why this part needed to be in the movie well to me it to me it felt like Kind of like what we were talking about, where they make the joke, but they don't need to belabor the point too much. I think yeah. that yeah, the 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 main joke is twelve cisgender white dudes yeah. are making all the decisions for for a, a what's essentially supposed to be a a, a toy aimed at young ladies, yeah, empowering the young and, girls, and, yeah, yeah, and there and that you know, but so I like that they didn't hang on to that too much, yeah. But it was, it, but it, but it's also I do like the 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 comedic um the comedic vehicle of of a like a a large gang of bumbling dudes who just can't get out of their own way i was like yeah all right i i'm on board for that like they can't even get through the door yeah, i love that. at one point will ferrell's character fainted in yeah. a funny way and i laughed out loud yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was really yeah. funny i don't know yeah. if they just wanted to up the star power more we'll get will ferrell yeah. to do some will ferrell stuff yeah, and just, he sure did he yeah sure did. i I don't know if they felt like it needed some conflict at that point in the in the movie yeah um it didn't it didn't bug me too much I, I i see your point that it felt a little bit like a vestigial tale but yeah but the second time around i was like this is fine like it's yeah. it can be flawed in my mind and still be perfect i think it's it's okay i'll allow it yeah. Wow, you, um, that's the that's the pull quote right there. It can be yeah. flawed in your mind; it's still perfect. That's yeah. I think that's what the whole movie's about. I think so. I think yeah. so too. Speaking of superfluous vestigial tales, um, there is skateboarding in this movie. Yeah. 
Yes. Somebody holds. Does anybody actually, I only saw it once and it was in the theater and it was after Oppenheimer. So I was looking like I was really, once they were on the, the Venice beach boardwalk, I was like, well, there's definitely going to be skateboarding. And I saw a bunch of people holding skateboards, but I didn't, I don't know that I actually saw somebody riding a skateboard and who gives a shit. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw skateboards on Venice beach, which I think is like the same exact criteria we use to do back to the beach. Yes. So within the exact same location. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, and Back to the Beach uh, just reminded me of the fact that we lost Pee Wee Herman because oh, Pee Wee Herman oh is God. the high point of Back to the Beach when he comes out and does Surf and Bird and then flies away on a magical surfboard. Watch that yes. movie film. That sounds great. Yeah, that was awful. Oh, it's fantastic. That was, yeah. uh, I mean, losing Pee Wee Herman, that scene sounds amazing. But yeah, that was, I mean, Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman's not real. But he's real to me. That's, I mean, that's the same energy as this movie, Pee Wee's Playhouse, with the chaos and the, like, danger and the, like, we don't know what's about to happen. Like, there's a reason this kind of stuff speaks to the youth and the adults, too. It's we did a wonderful. we did a Pee Wee's Big Adventure episode. You should. That's, I de- I declare Absolutely. it's the greatest motion picture ever ever set to to film. <laughs> and I think Barbie has a lot of the same energy as Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I completely agree. Yeah. 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 Like a magic, like a, a like realism superimposed over a weird. You know. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It wears reality like a loose garment. And it does humor really seriously, but in a in a way that is so so delightful. I love that. I did not notice the skateboards. I actually thought I was like, I don't think there were skateboards in this movie. I wasn't gonna point it out, but I was like, I don't think there were skateboards. I was watching this movie with an eagle eye. Well, of first, course. For like when it first came out, um, friends of mine had gone and I was frantically texting them, like, is there skateboarding in it? And they were like, Well, <laughs> rollerblading. And I was like, not the same thing. Um and then I saw a trailer clip of the Venice Beach stuff with someone holding a yeah. skateboard. And I was like, good enough for me. Up. Yep. Yeah, that's <laughs> I was told that we were going to dunk on rollerblades uh, or I was promised we might be able to dunk on rollerblades a little bit, which I would love to do because I hate rollerblades. I mean, that's all I have. That's all the dunking I have. But I just don't. I think. Michael, the floor is yours. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny because. uh rollerblading is uh sort of deeply hated on in the, in yeah. the world of skateboarding as is longboarding that is not that is not that. the same not the yeah. same thing in, in that in that in that in that that little bratty culture that i that yeah. i that i'm so immersed in um i will say that uh so the 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 the, the reasoning behind it is is that there <laughs> If you ask a skateboarder why skateboarding is so cool and all the other supposed yeah. extreme sports are not as cool, is it's because you're not strapped in. Got it. The rollerblades are strapped to your feet. The bicycle sure. you're holding on with your hands and your, you know, your, uh, snowboarding is strapped in, uh, wakeboarding. But with skateboarding, it's just your feet on a surface with a grippy surface and all of the tricks that, that happen are, are, through sheer uh like friction and leverage uh and that's why skateboarders tend to think that skateboarding is is far and above all those things and i tend to agree my my you know my my uh 
it, I've cooled a little bit on my 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 vitriol against rollerblading, especially because now it's in like the in the in the extreme sort of inline. That's what they inline it, it's, it's yeah. sort of as I'm a quad skater, just to like so you know who you're talking. Sure. To. Yeah. So it's, yeah. you can insult me, but that's that's why I hate inline skates because I think they're not as good as quads. Yeah. <laughs> right well if the quads are certainly i think quads are roller yeah. skates uh are much cooler than rollerblades or or inline yeah. but the fact at this point and maybe this is just uh me showing my age or a level of maturity that i but uh the fact if the, the people that are still into it if you're still into it when the world has really cooled off on a on a like a subculture like that and you're still doing it good for yeah. you do you remember soap shoes no. so soap shoes were this this product of the very late 90s and early 2000s and they were essentially just a pair of sneakers with like an insert in the bottom that was almost like a piece of plastic and so you could run and like slide down handrails and things like you were rollerblading but without the wheels what? So I mean, and that's and that's the very, very, very shallow chaff end of of the extreme sports. But there are still people who yeah. do it, and to them, I'm like, all right, you know exactly. what? Good for you, man. You like, have like, to what? love your life. How am I going to hate yeah. on the fact, like, right? Like you, like you got into it when it was a popular, interesting thing, and it's the the sun has so set yeah. on that. So this, I feel the same way about the 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 aggressive inline guys or people like. You know what? If you're still doing this shit in 2023, I am because I you know what? I I stopped physically actually skateboarding <laughs> 20 years ago because I got a little chubby and I didn't want to hurt my yeah. hands. hands so if you're still sliding yeah. down shit with. Yeah. If you're still sliding down shit with wheels attached to your feet, God yeah. bless you. I, I got I got nothing bad to say about it. But uh, I also will, will say that uh, I thought the um, the Santa Monica is that that's. Is that Venice Beach? Beach. Yeah. It's Venice Beach that they're in. The, the the skate park that's located on Venice Beach is widely considered to be one of the worst and ugliest skates yeah. skate parks in the history of of modern like of modern like concrete skate parks. It's terrible. It's a terrible place, and only terrible things happen there. So I was kind of glad that they didn't put too much uh, focus on it in the movie because it's just not. It's like a place for nothing and no one. <laughs> it's gross and so, do you it. think that part of the reason that you love skateboarding is because like horses uh they're just an extension of of your body like the, like the patriarchy sure. says but only not the non-patriarchy yeah yes. i so what you're saying is that you want to live in the king in the kingdom and that you yeah yeah and and just ride my skateboard uh and in, into infinity yeah it really does it's, in the mojo dojo casa skate park yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's skateboarding is this funny. There's a there's a former pro who who was talking about skateboarding one time, and he said if you really stop to think about it, in a way, it's almost like you're really into just like dancing. You're just making these, you know, form you know forming these positions, yeah. and yeah, 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 little patterns, and and it's like. I feel like every skater who read that interview was like, oh, that's too true. You hit too close to the to the nerve there, but it is. It's like it's this just aesthetic pursuit of this silly pastime. But I just think it's like I think a lot about aesthetics. And I just when I was a kid, I saw a person on a skateboard. I was like, that's the yeah. thing. 
that's what I like. And I, and now I'm 48 years old and I still can't stop talking about it. So <laughs> I think that's cool. I think skateboards are cool. I just don't think inline skates are cool. And I never have. And I find them very hard to ride and I am annoyed. Well, so you'll be glad to know that you that sort of, it's almost like um, there's a, a kindred attitude about that with yeah, skateboarders. make me feel skateboarders, better. Not, not too into the inline guys. Have you ever seen skateboarders try to fight? Like, has there been like a brawl between inline? Um, I guess they would be bad because they're on wheels. They can't get, they have to stop. It's like <laughs> The very first movie we did uh, is a movie from the 1980s called Thrashing. And in that one, the skateboarders are at war with the break dancers. Yes, yes. They, 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 yeah, he's like breaking so so old and lame. <laughs> yeah. It's well the set that was a movie where the skateboarders were at a war with each other, which is actually way more accurate. Yeah. You can't you get a room full of skateboarders together and none of them will be able to agree at all on what is good skateboarding and what isn't. So that like like in line, you know, so the big beef, the bigger beef, God, we're getting into the mic the the, the microbes of this. The bigger beef so good. um that there's a so skateboarding does tend to do a lot of damage to the to the obstacles like the the the, the because of ledges the and curbs because of the boards yeah. and the, the metal trucks but even more damage is done by the bmx bikes and oh, so yeah. a, a lot of times at skate parks if there's anything that's not lined with like a metal edge like a natural like marble curb gets completely destroyed by a, by the the metal pegs on a BMX bike so that's when i've seen hands get thrown is when when uh 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 BMX guys come and and, and it's it's funny because the skateboards are doing a a, a lot of damage as well so it's kind of like like are we really all just sort of fighting about the same thing but yeah it's a, but in terms of damage i think inline probably does even less because there's like there's those plastic now the wheels are set apart a little bit and there's like almost like a plastic gully yeah so yeah so in a lot of ways the the, the rollerbladers are doing less damage see the kids book version of this would be like one kid who like owns inline skates and like the neighbor owns a skateboard and then another person owns like a bmx and they're like all fighting because they are they're all trying to outcool each other and then someone on quads obviously would come up and be like actually we're all just trying to have fun and then they all become best friends that's the book but let's let's print it and 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 put it on the market that's a <laughs> I, I, I read the shit out of that book you've solved it <laughs> yeah solved we're, it. We're, making, we're, we're, we're making power moves here we do yeah. but rollerblades suck yeah no i think that's, i think it's fun i think it's fun we all have to have things that we love and i I do feel like I've aged out of wanting to argue with everybody about their opinions, which is very peaceful for me. But I do think it's fun to have little opinions and you're like, well, your opinion's a little wrong and I don't want to be boob. I think that's <laughs> beautiful, especially when it's your friend, when it's two people who both like something and you're like, well, I be bop boop adop. And you're like, well, no, I be bop beep adop. And you're like, oh, you're my best, <laughs> best, friends. best if, friends. And I will tell you, you know, in a, if you want to talk about a subculture with a lot of opinions about things for skate skateboarding for a, for a, for a, a pastime. And I almost called it a sport, but it's real, not really that, but for a pastime that loves to, to like pride itself on being like open and free and no rules there are so <laughs> many rules can i share with you one of the, the, the i might lose the audience here so kevin maybe you can edit this out if it's if no, it i'm turns still into here nothing. you know what the audience can deal with it we've given them lots of stuff and now we're <laughs> yeah. talking about this but i love the space yeah okay running. there's a there's, there's a rule very specific to the east coast in skateboarding it's called the oh, forbidden God. 14 
Now, to anybody listening to this, if I don't get this exactly right, I'm not. I, I, I'm by no means putting myself forth as an expert, but uh, the the general idea is, and this is so ridiculous that it's almost hard to even have it come out of my mouth. So, the Forbidden Fourteen refers to the rule where if you're skating a an obstacle like a concrete ledge that's not like a round bar like a handrail but a concrete ledge like a curb or like a planter you're not supposed to do any tricks that involve sliding in the middle of the board so the space between the two trucks or the 14 inches in the wheelbase is the forbidden 14 and you're so you're only sliding on your nose or your tail or doing tricks on the trucks and if you're in Boston at a very specific skate spot and you do a trick in the, or what we refer to as a lip trick which is in the middle of the board I've heard of people getting punched in the face for that <laughs> at, at certain I mean, which is amazing but also so stupid <laughs> yeah in boston we just love yeah we we love punching people in the face in general oh but usually it's with our snideness not usually with our any face. excuse will do right i want to i want to add the caveat i don't know the exact parameters of the forbidden 14 rule but i have yeah. but i know that it's like very frowned upon to do a trick you utilizing the middle of your board in in the in in the new england area this is why my hobby is sitting in my house writing kids books because i don't there's too many rules to memorize and i and that feels very intimidating to me that's why i got into punk rock because there's none of that nonsense <laughs> yes you're right there's no dogma or <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's just people being free <laughs> just being friends together oh, yeah. Kevin, if we can walk together surely we can rock together this is this is what i'm saying now have, now have any have either of you seen the and I, this is another fucking tangent but the todd haynes the todd haynes film superstar the karen carpenter story oh absolutely no <laughs> There's two different people who will answer that question. I don't even know what that is. Is Karen? She was a singer, I believe. She was a singer. Uh, Todd Haynes um, is a filmmaker who made uh, the Velvet Goldmine. It's probably yeah. my favorite movie of his. This was his student film, um, and it's an, a biopic of Karen Carpenter told entirely with Barbie dolls. Oh, <gasps> I've heard of that. I've heard of yeah. That. I've heard. Of, yeah, I've heard you, of in, yeah. For for a long when I was younger, it was impossible to find, but you can probably yeah. find it on YouTube now. Um, they can't release it uh, legitimately because uh, the Carpenter estate doesn't want them to use the music, et cetera, et cetera. But there, you know, when I initially was going into the Barbie movie, I was like, I was like, oh, the usually when I think of Barbie movie, I think of that. See, like, I don't know why I just said see. Oh, I do know why I just said yeah. it's because Barbie touches every piece of culture. It really feels like that. It's like making fun of Barbie, but it's also like using Barbie as like an extension of something of pop singers of 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 like but it's also bizarre and like it's a, t- a kid's toy but it's so obviously could be made sexual but it's not and like it it feels like everything there's a, a meme of like a messed up looking barbie like who's like exhausted that's like on, it's like every meme of like i you know i'm a tired mom <laughs> that's not a good meme i don't know what a meme is but like it's it's i remember on drag race i'm obsessed with rupaul's drag race and i think it was season three that that one of the mini challenges was to take barbies and make them turn them into drag queens and like make them all messed up and stuff but it's like barbie's always there barbie's always part of it barbie's just like always within reach to like be used for like a joke or to like 
to like bring into the game or like the Toy Story Barbie, which I actually feel like she really may have inspired the parts of this movie because of her speech about being ruled is, is I wish I knew it off the top of my head, but she was like a very like for the people Barbie. Yeah, that's from Toy Story 2, right? She's yes. like the tour guide. Yeah, that's great. Why? I to... Oh, yeah, she was the tour guide in Toy Story 2. Yeah. And, she, and she had a speech in Toy Story 3. Oh, my God. Authority should derive from the consent of the governed, not from the threat of force. That's what she says in Toy Story 3. <laughs> yeah. Yes! Yeah. Maybe that was like the spark. But I also feel like that Barbie has always been around, like in my experience. She's always been a little radical. She's always been like whatever you want so even though like the whole bullshit of like you can imagine yourself in barbie that the beginning of the movie says it's like you can be an astronaut. little girls can be they think they're an astronaut they can be a doctor they can be whatever it's like both ridiculous but also like yeah kind of because she's so she's been around and she's like just part of like the like childhood culture um and I, I think that's really cool. And I don't, a lot of my mom friends don't have Barbies for their girls because they're just like, do we still do this? And I'm, I, I remember being like, yeah, we're doing this. We're doing this. Me and Mabel, we're like, we're going to do this and it's going to be great. And it has been great. Um, we have a lot of Barbies, like a lot just in the past couple of years. And it's so fun. So many clothes, so many adventures. Yeah. One of them is a night. Mabel makes them a night. Sometimes I have to sit through a lot of fashion shows and sometimes they're off on like doing battle things that I don't fully understand, but it's great. It's great for her and it's great for me because I steal ideas from it. And in fact, I have a book coming out in 2025 called Princess Battle Royale, which is inspired from her playing with the Barbies where all the fairy tale princesses do WWF style moves in a, in a wrestling oh, ring. Oh, that sounds, that sounds fantastic. I was just going to say that sounds fantastic. Yeah, it's going to be good. I'm really excited. It's, it's, I mean, it hasn't been announced yet, but it's coming out with Viking. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that, but that's going to be dope. I think it's that energy. It's the like girly fairy tale stuff, but it's like we can do whatever we want, and it's so fun. Also, wrestling is awesome. Well, yeah. Holy shit, Faya! Thank you so much for coming on our Barbie episode. You were amazing. Thank you. I have never done something like this before, so I was definitely afraid I was doing it wrong because I'm a, a woman and I apologize. <laughs> no, this is great. Thank you so much. We didn't talk about the gynecologist moment, but that was great. So do you want to tell people where they can find your books? Yes. So to find my books, of which there are three, my latest is called Stitch Crashes Disney, which just came out from Disney Press. You can just go to my website, which is feacreed.com, P-H-A-E-A-C-R-E-D-E.com. You can find all my information there, including Instagram and all that good stuff. Um, Great. We will have a link to that on the website, show notes, etc. cetera. Um, I only have two of the three books. I need to get the third one, which I think is about a cat. Yes, Jet the Cat is Not a Cat was my debut book. And it's um, about a cat who likes to swim and all these animals tell her she can't be a real cat. And so she goes on an adventure to figure out what she really is. And surprise, surprise, she gets to be the kind of cat that she wants to be. It's funny, though. I only write funny books, but also like, you know, emotional, deep down crying books because that's what all writers do i think and and mike i think you would like super pizza and kid gal i i perused it a little bit and it's great i love the artwork thank you yeah uh, zach smith he's out by you he's in la he's an animator he's great thank you for joining us bye mike bye-bye bye bye kevin bye kevin bye bye mike bye thank you for listening 
Our website is gleamingthetube.net. We're on Facebook at Gleaming the Tube, and our email is gleamingpod at gmail.com. Production assistance by Liam Gray. Music by Kissing Contest. Skateboarding is not a crime. Hi, Michael. Hey, Kevin. Oh, sorry. I should have said hi, Kevin. Sorry. Yeah, we're trying to get like like the Barbies.